some cats are just going to want to go out in their yard and that's the furthest they're going to get. But for those cats, that is a big, big adventure and they're having a really great time exploring and and that's, that's important. Join us as we chat to amazing cat explorers and experts, learn from them, listen to their war stories, celebrate their wins and laugh at the funny moments that have been a part of their journey. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Cat Explorer podcast. I'm Daniel. And I'm Hasara. We always love hearing from you, so let us know what you're up to while you're listening along. Snap a photo or video, upload it to your Instagram stories, and tag us at catexplorer.community and today's guest at emilu underscore adventurecat. And use the hashtag catexplorerpodcast and let us know you're listening along. Last week, something super exciting happened. The Cat Explorer podcast was downloaded for the 10,000th time. And to celebrate, we're doing a super fun giveaway. We're giving away the most popular Cat Explorer merch from our store, the Giving My Cat the World hoodie. Just go into Apple Podcasts and leave a review for the Cat Explorer podcast. Or if you're an Android user, pop into Stitcher on your computer and leave a review there. Take a screenshot, send it to us via DM on Instagram or via email to there at catexplorer.co. Leave the review and send a screenshot to us by the 25th of November 2019 to go into the running to win your very own Give Your Cat the World hoodie. It's my favorite hoodie, so much so that Daniel and I each got one in every color and wore them all through winter. And if you're unsure on how to leave a review for the Cat Explorer podcast, just click on the episode description and I'll include a link on how to do it there. So remember to leave the review and send us the screenshot via DM on Instagram or email it to heythere at catexplorer.co by the 25th of November. We'll announce the winner via Instagram stories on the 27th of November 2019. Thanks so much, guys, and thank you so much for supporting us. We really do appreciate it. You may know today's guest from her awesome Waterfall Wednesdays or perhaps her ability to stand up on a stand-up paddleboard or to go rafting or maybe her amazing ability to be a meowdle. Not only is Emmy Lou an amazing cat explorer, her mum, Annie, is also a vet who is passionate about making indoor cats happy. I'm so excited to chat to Annie today. Welcome to the podcast, Annie. Hi, guys. So tell us about Emmy Lou and how she came into your life. So Emmy Lou first came into my life at the vet clinic where I work. A good Samaritan had found her in a trailer park under a broken down truck with a broken leg and had brought her into us to see what could be done for her. They were very overwhelmed with what that was going to entail to get her taken care of. So they decided to surrender her over to the hospital. And she was just such a perfect, funny little kitten that I fell in love immediately. So there was no question about getting her adopted out. She just came straight home with me and and we got her all fixed up with her leg. And, and it's just been the two of us doing what we do ever since. Wow. She started from such an yeah, incredible adversity because I've, I've heard and seen a little a few of the photos now. And so to see where she's come from and to see where she's now ended up, that's such an amazing journey so far. Now, I mentioned the photos that I've seen. So what kind of cat exploring does Emmy Lou do? And did you do any specific type of training to get her to go cat exploring? So I, I kind of feel like we're pretty well-rounded explorers. We do just a little bit of everything. She, um, We go hiking about once a week, as well as 
boating pretty regularly, which which people really enjoy the pictures from those uh, adventures for sure. Done some camping too. So she's she does a little bit of everything. We've we've done a little bit of traveling, but we'd like to do a little bit more of that hopefully going forward. But we just started, I think like a lot of people start, we certainly didn't plan to quite do all those things. We started with a harness and walking around the house and moved to the yard and just kind of slowly move forward from there. And she just was so willing to trust me and take it all in and take a second and make sure I wasn't trying to, to murder her with any of the new things <laughs> that we tried. And uh just uh, the one thing she won't do is ride on a bike. So I will say we have failed at, at some things we've tried to do. But for the most part, she just has gone straight forward with, with everything from the first time we put the harness on to getting in the raft and doing some whitewater. So it's been a lot of fun. And it's certainly been a bit of a roller coaster. Lots of lots of things I didn't expect, as I'm sure you guys are familiar with, you know, you can't predict exactly what's going to happen uh, when you start going out in the world with your cat, but so much fun and, and really uh, has just kind of opened up the world to me as well as to Emilu, I think. That's just awesome. What kind of things have been unpredictable that have surprised you? Well, I, I think I didn't realize how much attention we were going to get. I know you guys have talked about this a little bit too. I'm, I'm just like you. I'm science oriented, a bit introverted. Uh, so when I go hiking and when I go boating, I typically am going out for the solitude. When I have Emmylou with me, particularly if I have Emmylou and Muppet, we get a lot of attention and a lot of questions. And um, it's actually been really fun. I've, I've met some really nice people and just connecting with other you know, cat explorers through Instagram and, and through Facebook, which is just, it's the community there has been shocking to me and how supportive everybody is and how I truly feel like some of these people have become my friends and I know their cats and, and I am so excited to see them and what they're up to. I never thought it would come to be something like that where I'm, I'm friends with people across the world and, and talk to them and and keep up with them. So that's been pretty unexpected and really fun part of it. Yeah, I agree. That's um, something that's just blown me away. And as like as a fellow introvert, that those first few times we went out, I was really shy when people were speaking to us and things like that. But now I've come to really enjoy it because you hear about their own cats and we're all cat people. We want to hear about everyone else's cats. And you hear about like the cats they had when they were growing up. And and then we, like, I'm not sure whether you get this, I'm sure you get this experience, actually, where people get so happy to see Lumos and Noxie out there, like, you brighten up someone's day, and that's so special, well, special to me, anyway. Absolutely. There have been a few people that were really fun that knew Lou from her online pictures and, and presence and have run into us on the trail, and those people are always really fun, because they really act like they're meeting, like, a a rock star or something and they get so excited they want to take pictures with her and it, it's just it is really fun and, and more fun than I thought it would be to to have to interact with a bunch of strangers <laughs> but it's in a, such a positive way um, and they really do they tell some fun stories and and ask some really fun questions um, so we've really enjoyed that part more than I thought that I would. Yeah, I really relate. And it's kind of interesting how our cats make us step outside our comfort zones. Because there is no way I would have spoken to a stranger like that before. 
but but now we do it like every time we go out so it's pretty cool <laughs> yeah and i just want to add like it, it gives people a kick when they meet lumos and noxia as well to see them exploring because it's such a new concept for a lot of people that they go wow you can actually take a cat on you know on a leash and take it on walks and go to the beach and so forth and it just makes their day that's what i find and I, we take a lot of joy and happiness and pride out of that because you know it's like as i said like we introverts and we didn't set out to do that and the whole idea was just to go out and try and explore the world with your cat and to have those sort of things be a side effect it's you know just a great experience as well it really is and it's it's fun particularly when you have people say they're going to go home and and look it up and try to start doing some stuff with their cat for me that's really special because i want all the cats in the world to be happy and healthy and i think that that cats that get that extra training whether or not they all end up you know hiking mountains or going boating um just spending that time with their people i think is so important to, not just to their happiness but to their long-term health so so that's been a really big benefit to it for us now you mentioned with the training of the cats and for specifically for Emily Lou, how she's done you know, all these different activities with the well-rounded sort of exploring experience. Did you find that Emily Lou was quite natural to taking to all these different ex- experiences or was she, you know, did she need specific things to, because I think you mentioned the, the harness training and so forth before, but was there anything else that, that was required to sort of get her to climatize all these different experiences? We definitely worked on the harness training and the recall training because I always worry if she does get loose, I want her to come back to me. We haven't had to test it yet, luckily, but um, I wanted to kind of solidify those things before we went out in the big world. Um, but I've been really lucky with her. She is really food motivated. So that has been really helpful in convincing her that that things are okay when she's a little bit nervous or a little bit overwhelmed. I can always tell that everything's going to be okay when she starts to take treats and she'll just settle right in and and she'll kind of take take almost anything in stride as long as I keep the treats coming. So that's been really helpful with her. I'm, I'm not sure that I would be as successful at training a cat explorer if I didn't have one that was so food motivated. <laughs> so you mentioned the recall training and that's something I actually haven't seen at all in cats before. Like, I mean, it's quite common in dogs to train that so that, say, for example, when they get to a road, they don't cross it and, you know, you, you make them stay or they come back. How's the recall training gone for Emmy Lou? Like, has she successfully been able to do that? Because you mentioned that you haven't had to use it yet, but I suppose in a heartbeat, if you needed to, would she be able to do it? I hope so. We we practice a lot in the house when, you okay. know, she doesn't have a lot of distractions and Will and I'll, Will's my husband, he'll hide or I'll hide around the house and we'll call her. And so she'll have to run um, to get her treat. And she knows there's a treat involved at the end of that. And then the other person will go somewhere else and, and call her and, and she'll come. And it's, We've tested it a little bit. She has snuck out of the house a couple times when we mistakenly left a door open. And I've, you know, realized that she's out and about, which is, you know, a lot of us, it's our personal nightmare when our animals get get out and we don't know what's going on with them. And she's come within a few minutes every time of calling her when she has gotten out. Um, I'm not sure, you know, if she truly got scared, um, if it would be as effective. I like to think if I called her and she was scared, she'd come running. Um, I think more likely she would see the backpack and jump in her backpack pretty quickly because that's definitely been a, a safe place for her that she goes to when she gets a little nervous. So hopefully between the recall training and having her safe place along with us wherever we go, I hope that if something happened and, and she got 
really frightened that I'd be able to to convince her to to come and get in because I think that's the for most of us that take our cats out that's kind of the ultimate fear is that they're gonna get loose or get really spooked or really scared and um, you know cats can move pretty quick and they can go in a lot of places that we can't get to them so I'm really hoping that between those things if it came down to it um, she'd run towards me instead of away but we'll see I'm sure it'll come to it at some point and, and it'll be tested and I'll let y'all know when it happens um, but hopefully it'll it'll pay off in the end. I think it definitely will especially given all the training you've done with the cat backpack. So do you mind explaining how you trained her to use that cat backpack and to see it as a safe spot? Sure. I I fully admit on some of these things, I've just gotten really lucky. When I first got uh, her backpack, I just started taking her with it. I We kind of checked it out in the house the first time and I put some catnip in it. And she is one of the cats that does really enjoy some catnip and she likes to get in and roll around in it. So I can get her to go a lot of places <laughs> that I want her to. Um, if I put a little catnip, catnip, she is going to get get onto it and roll around. Um, so we did that a little with the backpack. So she was familiar with it before we went out and about. Um, but I think she just took to it immediately as a place that um, she felt comfortable, a place she could see out and, and still see the world. But she felt um, like she had a little bit of protection, um, particularly from dogs. We live in a really very dog friendly um, community where we are. And um, so that's kind of our biggest day to day trouble when we're out and about is um, running into dogs and some which are very well behaved and some which aren't. And so it's um, that was just automatically a place that she could go to. And she just took to it immediately. I didn't have to do a lot of training with her uh, to like her backpack. Now it's more of a matter of getting her out of the backpack sometimes <laughs> <laughs> rather than getting her to go in. Uh, if I want her to get out and see something, sometimes she's taking a really nice nap in there and she doesn't want to come out. And I have to kind of tempt her out with some snacks. Um, but she'll pretty much do anything for food. So she'll still come out when I want her to. That's awesome. I have to say, um, we really relate in terms of that because um, Lumos, when we're on a hike, he will just sleep in the backpack. And for background, I suppose, Noxie is our very active cat and Lumos is our very big cat because he eats <laughs> a lot and doesn't exercise a lot. So the hiking is mainly for him to get some exercise. <laughs> and we'll do like a hike and he'll just sleep in the backpack. <laughs> <laughs> I know you take them because you want them to to get some exercise, that's certainly part of it. And then they want to sleep the whole time. And, you know, I, I try to tell myself, she's still having a great time. She's still spelling things. She's still getting out and about and seeing things she wouldn't get to see. And certainly that's good enrichment for her. But I'd really like her to get a little exercise too, because when she's tired, she sleeps through the night. She doesn't destroy the house. When she is not tired, she is wide awake and trying to either get us to play with her or taking something apart somewhere in the house so so the exercise is very important to us too yeah definitely and for those who are struggling with their cat backpacks I just want to say we struggled with our cat backpacks and training Lumos and Oxy to go into them I actually started crying when I tried to train them because they just weren't interested and the thing that like really clicked for them was when we we just managed to get them in the cat backpack and we decided to just go to the park around the corner because we were just like, they're in the backpack, let's just go out to the park. And we thought, oh, we'll just be there for 10 minutes, just show them that the cat backpack means that they're getting out and about. But we ended up staying there for two hours and we watched the sunset over the river and it was like, it was this incredible 
adventure that I never expected to happen. And it was since then that they realized, oh, this backpack means that I get to go out and this backpack is my safe spot. So it was just that one thing that just clicked in their head. But before that, there were a lot of tears. <laughs> oh, no. Sometimes you just have to to try something and, and see if it's going to work out. And, and more times than not, I think it does for the most part. Yeah, definitely it does. So Emmy's also got some dog siblings, and you mentioned that your community is very dog friendly. Do you mind telling us about them? Sure. Uh, well, most people are familiar with Muppet that are familiar with Emmy Lou. Um, Muppet's an 11-year-old shepherd mix. Um, she's been around a long time before Emmy Lou came in the picture um, and has always really liked cats. So that was a pretty um, fast and quick bond. As soon as Emmy Lou came, came home, uh, her and Muppet just became close friends and always have been. They have wrestled in the house and, and just they took to each other right away. And it's been really helpful, I think, for Emmy Lou to have Muppet when we're trying to new things, because for most of these things, it's not a big deal for Muppet. So Emmy Lou sees Muppet there, sees that Muppet's pretty relaxed. And and uh, so that helps Emmy Lou be comfortable. Um, Alistair, on the other hand, is a new addition. <laughs> he's, a, he's a one-year-old little shih tzu crossed with some sort of monster <laughs> or gremlin. I'm not <laughs> quite sure which. He's very charming, but he is a he is a lot of personality too. Um, Emmy Lou took a little bit more convincing uh, to get on board with Alistair, but we've had him a few months now, and and they're really coming around. They've started wrestling some and playing. They chase each other through the house, and and they've they've figured it out. Um, we were really careful when we were looking to adopt another dog. We went through a foster program um, so we could make sure that we were getting a dog that had been around cats before uh, because I didn't want Emmy Lou to feel like she was going to be displaced and bring a dog in that was going to be aggressive or or chase her or make her scared or uncomfortable. So we knew before we got him that he was comfortable with cats. Um, he was just maybe a little more comfortable <laughs> than Emmy Lou wanted to be to start with. So that took a little training on her end to to establish um, her comfort zone and, and how much space she wanted, but they've worked it out pretty well. So they're all pretty big, happy little family now, the three of them. That's so awesome. Did you have to do anything in particular to help Emilou and Alistair get along? I, we, when we brought him home, because he is younger and he is rather exuberant little fellow, um, we did try to make sure that Emmylou always had safe space that she could get to away from him. So she's got her own room where her food is, and she's got a cat tower and some other things in that room. So there's a dog gate up that he can't get through that she can get through. And whenever we were leaving them in the house unattended, I would also do the same thing with our upstairs. So she could go upstairs and have the run of the whole upstairs and he couldn't get up there to to bother her. So when she was done, she had multiple places she could go to get away and get a break from him because he is kind of like that obnoxious little brother that just wants to play and pester her all the time. So just making sure that she had space to get away. Um, and, and and she did, but she also would, would put herself right in the middle of things when she wanted to, too. Oh, that's awesome. It's like she, that it's, it's, I like that she had her places to go. We find this Lumos is quite like that annoying little brother as well to Noxie. So she, Noxie's developed these places that she goes, that Lumos can't get to. This is not very good at jumping. <laughs> so I think those having those safe spaces, like their backpack, but something at home is definitely something that really helps. And 
I've seen a lot of photos of Emmy by herself. Um, do you normally take her to go cat exploring by herself or do you also take Muppet and Alistair? I have tried taking all three of them once and it was a total disaster. So we probably won't try that again. It's trying to keep up with three leashes and and three animals, of course, because they immediately all want to go in different directions um, is, is quite challenging. So uh, most of the time I take both Muppet and Emmy Lou. I think she enjoys having Muppet there, that just that little extra bit of support and confidence and having her friend just helps kind of settle her down and feel confident. But we do quite a bit, just the two of us too. I, I certainly have never attempted to take more than just Emmy Lou on the paddleboard or in the boat with me. Um, although Will has um, been in the canoe with both dogs and the cat. So I guess we have made that work in a canoe, but but not quite yet on the paddleboard. So maybe one day, but uh, for now, hiking with just the two of them um, and every once in a while a boating adventure with just Emmy Lou. So are there any particular sort of tips or anything special that you would do when you're sort of handling both, you know, Emmy Lou and Alistair together by yourself or when Will's got the three of them together? Like, because for us, I can imagine one with one cat or one dog or something, but to then increase that with another animal gets, I imagine, exponentially harder when we feel that way anyway, when we have Lumos and Oxy with one person, they're sort of gang up on you. Is there anything special that, or anything in particular that you would recommend people do to sort of manage that interaction and make that work? Well, we, um, I guess I always um, have Emmy Lou's backpack and that's always really helpful. So if it's getting kind of overwhelming, I can just put her away for a minute and then that kind of frees up a little bit of, of hand space. Um, I'm, I'm really lucky in that Muppet, at least, is is very polite. She's a very gentle dog, so she's not one that's going to get really excited and, and be, you know, pulling on her leash or, or be difficult to manage in any way. Um, we're working really hard with Alistair to get him to be the same way. Uh, he's not quite as well leash trained, and he's a little bit more excitable. So we're... I think we're just trying to take it from the training side of things to where we can get the dogs to be well behaved. Um, Cause I think, you know, Emmy Lou is going to do what Emmy Lou wants to do most of the time. Um, but if we can get the dogs to, to have pretty good manners and be pretty respectful, then it makes everything much more manageable. That's a really good point. And I think we spend so much time thinking about how we train our cats and stuff like that, but it's also important to do that with our dogs as well because they're, that makes your life a lot easier as well. And it's also enriching their lives too. So that's awesome to hear. So you've mentioned going on a stand-up paddleboard and I think we've spoken about it before. Daniel and I definitely cannot go on a stand-up paddleboard by ourselves, let alone with the cats. So I'm always so amazed that you and Emmy can do that. So how did you train her to go on the stand-up paddleboard? We we started in, in something a little more stable. So we started out in an inflatable kayak, which is pretty wide, pretty stable, a little further up off the water um, for her thinking, you know, we'll, we'll give this a shot and see what she thinks. We went to a lake near the house thinking, you know, lake will be nice and calm. We can bring the car right up to the lake. If things go horribly wrong, we can make a very quick escape back to the car. Um, and uh, we just put on on the lake. Will Will was uh, out there with us that day, too. So I had some backup, some support in case, again, things went terribly wrong and I just needed to make a run back to the car with Emmy Lou. Um, but she just did great, just like with so many other things. She kind of sat between my legs for a minute and took it all in. And we just gave her a little time to adjust and kept things pretty quiet and pretty calm. 
Um, and pretty quickly, she realized that, you know, everything was pretty safe and she started to walk around the the little kayak a lot more and explore. And by the end of that, we were probably out for about half hour that first day. She actually got brave enough to go from one boat to the next. And that's when I knew that she was going to be really comfortable on the water. And we just kind of moved up from there. We we canoe somewhat regularly. So it was a pretty easy leap to to move to the canoe. And that's what we did on the first time we were in the river with her and moving water. And again, she just kind of took to it and she stayed under the seat below us for a minute till she got comfortable, but then pretty quickly started kind of exploring around and checking things out. Um, so by the time I, I put her on the paddleboard, she was kind of an old hat at being on the water. Does Emmy Lou use any particular tools such as life jackets while she's out on the water? She does. So we do have a life jacket and I, I believe really strongly um, about having life jackets on pets when they're in and around the water. I think that it is really important. I think some people have the the misconception that all animals can just naturally swim well. And I can assure you that that is not the case. <laughs> they don't just naturally know how to swim. Some of them don't know how to swim at all. Some of them are very, very bad swimmers like Muppet. She's a terrible swimmer. Uh, she was just not made for that. So having that extra flotation for safety wise is important. Plus they all come with a handle on the top so that if the animal does fall in the water, you're able to very quickly pick them back up and get them back in the boat, uh, which without that handle, I think that would probably be pretty tricky to, to fish them out mm. of the water easily. Um, so the, the life jacket is pretty essential. And then we also figured out pretty quickly if we were going to be out um, in the warm weather, which is usually when we're going to be on the water, that we need to make sure to have some sort of um, shade for Emmy Lou to stay in because she does get pretty warm and pretty hot and she's not going to want to jump in the water to cool off like we are. Um, so that was something that became pretty clear pretty quickly is to make sure that she had a shade space, which also has kind of provided her a little safety place, kind of like her backpack uh, that she can kind of get into if, if she's starting to get a little worried by something she sees, she can retreat into her little, I usually use one of those little pop-up cubes that you can get for cats and attach it to the boat in some way. And she can just hop in her cube and and look out at the world and feel very safe and comfortable there. Yeah, um, I think that pop-up cube is really a great idea. And I've um, been speaking to a few members in our community and they take hiking as well. So if they like oh, decide yeah. to stop for lunch or something, you just set up the cube and your cat can go in there. And in, because sometimes the sun gets through in, in, in the backpacks and stuff like that. So I thought that was a really cool idea. And in so we're recording this in June 2019. And with our meetups last week, some of the people at the San Fran meetup actually had taken their cubes with them because they were sitting in the beer garden. So their cat went and sat in the cube while they were in the beer garden. So it stayed out of the sun. So I thought that was a really smart idea, too. That is smart. I, I'm going to have to add it to my camping list, too. I didn't think about that. But I bet when we're we're hanging out when we're camping. We're going to go camping in a few weeks with, with all three of them. So that will be a, a big adventure. Um, so that's a great idea. I'll make sure to take that along and she'll have a little place only she can she can go and maybe yeah. get away from Alistair too in the meantime. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I love that she needs that space to get away from the little annoying brother. Noxie definitely needs that space too. <laughs> and something else that I know that you love doing is rafting and you take Emmy along with 
for you for that. And uh, I'm not going to lie, I'm really naive when it comes to rafting. And when I think of rafting, I think of whitewater rafting. I'm guessing that's not what you do with Emmy. Is that, do you do something different with that? No, it is whitewater. So uh, we, um, Will and I, my husband, we're whitewater raft guides in a previous life. That's how we met. um, And what we used to do for a living, a very sad living, but it was (laughs) a living at the time. And uh, so that's why we are on the water all the time. That's that's kind of what we do for fun together. So we've been rafting for 20 years. So it was kind of a natural progression when we saw she was going to be comfortable on the water to start thinking about how we could do it, but do it safely um, and do it in a way that she was comfortable and, and wasn't scared. So she um, we take her. We probably take in her probably five or six times um, on the section we're really comfortable with, we're the most familiar with, and it's class two, three white water. So some of those class threes are are a little bit bumpy, a little bit splashy, but um, she's she's just so comfortable and she kind of takes it in stride. I think she reads a little bit off of us and, and Muppet's been going for her whole life. So Muppet's there in the raft and, and Muppet thinks the ra- the the whitewater rapids are the best part. So therefore, Emmy Lou doesn't get too worried <laughs> when it starts to get a little a little faster, a little bumpier. She just kind of hunkers down in her little cube and, and rides it out. But she she definitely enjoys the, the flat sections a little more when she can walk around the boat and, and look at things and explore a bit more. But but she doesn't seem to be too concerned. You know, I watch her really closely because I don't want to ever push her to the point where I'm going to lose the opportunity to do what we do together. And that's really important to me. I don't want to take it, take it so far that she gets scared and, and doesn't look forward to going out anymore. So whenever we're doing something like that, that I think is kind of going to push her limits, poor Will ends up having to do the majority of the the rafting portion of it, <laughs> the paddling. And I'm, I'm much more focused on Emmy Lou, but she, She's just taken that in stride along with everything else and, and didn't hasn't blinked an eye so far. But I, I don't think we'll do anything bigger than than what we've done. I think class three will be the biggest that that will take her just for safety reasons. And so I just got I got to say, like, the whole rafting business just amazes me. I'm just thinking like that's such an incredible thing that you guys do with your pets. And because whenever I think of raft, rafting i think it's quite intense and you know you do you've mentioned rapid and bumpy and all that so I'm like wow that's something something else can you just define for us what do you mean by class three and like the difficulty levels i assume is that what it is it is yep so um the whitewater rapids are defined by class zero through six with zero being flat water so a lake a calm lake is is class zero uh, class six is considered unrunnable um so like niagara falls would be a class six you unlikely you're going to survive <laughs> and run it and, and i'll be intact at the end of it um so class three is kind of right in the middle it's um, you definitely have to kind of know where you're going and, and know where you want to be in the rapid. And, and it's going to be a little bit of a bigger ride. And, and if you do it wrong, the consequences are a little bit higher, um, but certainly not um, up to the we do do class five without Emmy Lou. And, and that's a lot more serious rafting. And that that's definitely a little bit more for the adrenaline junkies out there um, when you're really you're really having to to know what you're doing and and you're accepting that there are pretty high consequences if if you don't do it right. So Emily will never be in class five whitewater. 
Um, but she does pretty well in class three. So I think we'll stick with that um, as pretty good for a little kitty. That's awesome. And I kind of want to circle back to something you said before, where you only really take her on rapids that you you know and you're comfortable with. Because as an outsider looking in who doesn't know the background, it could be easy to think that, oh, you just take her on the on the rapids whenever you want. But there's a lot of thought process that does go into that and do consider her safety as well. Is there anything else that you think about other than the classes of the rapids or anything else that make that you think about before you take her out there on the on the raft? Oh, yes. Oh, gosh. So many things. So the water level is a big one. So the the rivers that we raft around here are um, natural flow rivers. They're not dam released. So they depend very much on rain and, and water levels for what level the river is going to be at. And as you can imagine, the more more rain, the more water, the bigger the river gets. Um, and so there's definitely a cutoff at which I, I wouldn't be comfortable taking her um, just because the water is going to move faster. The Some of the rapids are going to be bigger. The consequences are going to be a little higher if um, she fell out or if the boat flipped over. Um, so the we try to stick to lower water levels um, where things are going to be a little slower, a little bit more manageable. I pay a lot of attention to the heat because um, she does get overheated. We live in the southeast U.S., so in late summer, it's hot here and it's humid and she is not going to be comfortable outside in the middle of the day for hours on end in the sun. So we try to go early in the morning or stick to kind of the shoulder season when it's going to be a little bit cooler so she doesn't get too hot. And then lastly, I think a lot about who is going to be out there. We we kind of plan most of our adventures around scheduling kind of we live in a somewhat of a touristy area where people come here to hike and people come here to go boating and and some of those things can get quite busy at certain times of the year. So in general, I try to avoid um, the really busy days uh, where she would get overwhelmed if there's going to be a lot of people, a lot of dogs, because um, I just I want her to have fun. That's that's the point of doing it is that she's out there exploring something, learning something new, um, but enjoying herself. And so I think if it's too crowded, too hot, um, then the whole point is going to be missed. So we're I put a lot of thought into it. You know, Will's just like, are we going today? And <laughs> I've been thinking about it for three days as to whether or not we're going to make it happen. Um, so, yeah, it's not just one of those. We we inflate the boat and go hop on the river. I do look at a lot of things and factor in a lot of things before we take her out because I want her to be safe and happy. You really do summarize a lot of the thought processes and factors that not just in water uh, sports, but also in many exploring activities that Hazara and I do and I'm sure many other cat explorers do talking about you know weather conditions talking about the people around how busy it is what sort of noise is it is likely to be there and whether or not they'll get freaked out like that's all the mental processes and research that we go through every time we look for an exploring spot or exploring sort of you know, activity it's not just a case of going out there although it may seem like it from the instagram photos or the mm. the stories that you see on you know youtube or um, other social media uh, channels but it really for a lot of us it's a case of making sure that the welfare of the cat is looked after in the very first instance before we even decide to take them out and undertake that activity and absolutely and i i I try to tell people that when they're asking me about it and they're saying, well, you know, how do you get started and, and what advice would you give? And I always tell them, 
you have to be patient first and foremost. You know, a cat is is it's a cat, and they're going to have their opinion about things. And and in some ways, it's much easier if it's um, their decision to do something rather than your decision to make them do something. Um, but also, there's just going to be things that you can't do or that you shouldn't do, and that's okay. And there are going to be things that that some cats can do that other cats do. And there's just also going to be times and places that that aren't going to be fun and comfortable. And you may have to turn around and go home even after you've planned a, a big outing. Um, because again, have to remember that the whole point is is for them to get out there and have fun and see things. And if if you push it too far, you know, you might lose the ability to to take them with you and, and do those things. So I think it's important to factor it all in. And, and I know all the, the cat explorers that I know, they're the same way. They, they put a lot of thought into what they do before they just hop out there, despite what it looks like in the pictures. Yeah, definitely. And sometimes we we might have the plan to take our cats along, but we need to make that last minute decision just to do, the, do it without the cats because it's either too hot or it's too busy or I don't know, there's like I, I know one of the situations someone recently told me about was that there's wildfires nearby and it was really smoky, so they didn't want to take their cat out. So it's just those little things that we need to take into consideration that doesn't always come across in social media. <laughs> yeah, but social media looks like we just do all the fun things and they just were born doing it and are comfortable yeah. doing it. But and uh, and maybe that they weren't super difficult for the three hours leading up to that <laughs> that one pretty picture that we got where they just want to. Emmy Lou in particular um, is not necessarily very focused on staying on the trail all the time. I know y'all probably experienced this where you have some place you're trying to get and and she is absolutely no interest in, in going in that direction. She has much more interesting things to see and smell in the totally opposite direction. Um, and so instead of a 30 minute hike to a waterfall, it takes us three hours <laughs> to get to the waterfall um, that we were hoping to get to. But I just have to, you know, take a second and remind myself that's the whole point of being there with her is that she is seeing things. She's getting to smell things that she wouldn't otherwise get to. She's having fun. She's interested in something that she wouldn't see if she was stuck inside our house all day long. And and it's good for me too, you know, it slows me down and it kind of lets me be a little less, you know, goal and target oriented and remember that, you know, just being out there, being in the woods, being with, with Muppet and Emilu is, is the point. And, and we don't always have to make it to, to the destination. Sometimes where we are is just fine and it's just as much fun. Yeah, that's, you put that so well. Um, I'm I'm curious, does Muppet ever get annoyed at Emmylou for taking her time? Because we have the situation where Lumos will take his time, but Noxie does not. Noxie will sprint down the trail and then I will tell her to stop and then she gets really mad because we have to wait for Lumos. <laughs> it's quite entertaining. <laughs> um, you know, Muppet's, she's a dog, you know, so she kind of wants to keep moving and keep going forward and, and see things, but she really is. And she's just an amazing dog. She is so sweet and just such a, a good little soul that she kind of knows once Emmy lose out that it's going to take a while and <laughs> we're going to slow way down. And, and she, for the most part, she's fine with it. She, she does really, really well. Um, and she is an incredibly patient dog. It helps now that she's gotten a little older. So she's a little slower. Um, she's gotten a little arthritis and a few other things. So she's most of the time pretty happy to stay at any lose pace unless there's something really exciting up ahead. Um, 
that she wants to get to. But for the most part, we're we're all getting a little older and, and we're OK to stay at Emmy Lou's pace most of the time. Yeah, I understand that. And you've mentioned waterfalls and I, I really want to chat about Waterfall Wednesday. So for those who don't know, on Wednesdays, we see a photo of Emmy Lou at a waterfall and most cats, they're scared of running water. So how did you get her comfortable with being around water and waterfalls? Most of the, the trails here, so we live in the mountains, um, and it's um, pretty close to a temperate rainforest here, so there's lots of water, um, and obviously where there's water in mountains, there's going to be waterfalls, and we're lucky that we live close to hundreds of waterfalls, which, which makes that pretty easy for us. And it's always something I've enjoyed doing. Um, we started out with with smaller ones, um, for sure, that weren't quite so loud and intimidating. And and most of the trails we go on here are close to water, close to small creeks. Um, so she was pretty quickly comfortable with with the gentle sound of of running water, and and she's pretty comfortable with creek crossings and and getting close to the water and going over logs and, and things like that. Um, but some of the bigger waterfalls still, she's not a big fan of. Um, she will she will say, yeah, that's great, but let's go, you know, 50 feet <laughs> this way where I can, can hear better. I, I think the really loud ones um, do make her a little nervous because she is a little worried about things sneaking up on her. I always catch her when, when we are around a loud one, kind of always checking behind her and, and she just doesn't settle down very well and explore there. Um, so with those, we just move a little further away. We still get to enjoy it, but where it's not quite so loud and deafening so that she's more comfortable where she feels like she can hear things. Because I think she's always just a little bit worried a dog's going to sneak up on us because that's happened a few times um, where some off-leash dogs have, have caught us a little bit unawares. And so she, I think she's a little nervous that may happen when it's really loud. So so I just am aware of it. Um, and for the most part, we stick to the smaller, quieter ones. Um, but with the bigger ones, we'll just stay a little further away for her comfort. This might be a silly sounding question, but Amy Lou, who's got two dog siblings, would still be afraid of other dogs. Is that right? She is. That's probably her biggest fear when we're out and about is she's really, really nervous and uncomfortable around dogs that she doesn't know. Um, she always has been. Um, it's not something I've tried too hard to train out of her because I don't necessarily trust dogs I don't know around her either. You just never know. Um, even dogs that, that have cats at home, you don't know how they're going to react to seeing a cat out of that environment and in a place where um, where they're not supposed to be in, in the dog's mind. And um, you never know quite what's going to kind of stimulate that that predator drive. So I've always kind of been very accepting of her being nervous around other dogs and, and very comfortable if she wants to get in her backpack um, because it is it, it makes me nervous, especially with a dog off leash when it runs up um, and is pretty excited and, and is not under control of, of its owner and is a little too interested in, in what we have going on and what Emmy Lou is up to. Um, so it, it's a challenge. Um, we've been pretty lucky so far, and, and I do always take the backpack. I've started carrying some spray with us just in case. Oh, there was Alistair just now. Um, started carrying some, uh, some spray, eucalyptus spray, with us just in case we ever have a dog that's too interested and, and won't leave us alone. But, but so far, as long as I scoop her up and put her in her backpack, 
um, they'll kind of transfer their interest to Muppet most of the time and and hang out with her until their owner can catch up. That's a good point, though, you make that I never really thought of in that way and well, never really thought beyond the fact that the reason why cats and dogs don't get along is because they don't necessarily live with them or, you know, make friends with them. And I always assume that in the cases where you say you sort of acclimatize them to a dog or a cat, that it will be okay. But you make a good point in that it's not necessarily the case and they're all not. It's, it, it is this predator driving them sometimes as well that drives it. And it unfortunately, it doesn't look like when you go to a dog park when every dog just chases each other dog, even though they've never met each other. It's not that simple. It's not, you know, and, and they'll, you know, the dogs can tell that Emmy Lou's different and, and it's not acting like another dog would act, you know, and then most of them are just interested in what she's doing. But I worry the minute she goes to run, that is when a lot of dogs would would naturally just want to take chase and and we can all see how that could go a lot of ways in a very bad direction so um so i think it's it's something we're all really aware of that that take our cats out and it's something that i i try to talk to a lot of people about i always try to only take emilu places where leashes are required um because i don't enjoy running into off-leash dogs um, because of that reason and so we try to stick to leash only trails and I do try to educate people when they are on a leash only trail and they have their dog off leash. And I just try to remind them, you know, your dog seems really sweet and he seems like he's good with other dogs, but my cat's not comfortable with other dogs. Some dogs are not comfortable with other dogs. Um, and this is, is a leash only trail and, and people like me come here because of that. Um, and sometimes I, inform them there is a really great off-leash trail you know not that far away that they may not know about as as another option if they do want to let their dog off the leash because I understand wanting to do that um but there are a lot of reasons you know there are people out there that aren't comfortable with off-leash dogs either um so I just try to gently educate the people we meet and and so far everybody's been very receptive and very nice and understanding when when we've come across an off-leash dog and we've talked a little bit about it and and um, they've kind of come away with it, I think maybe that doesn't change their behavior, but they may think a little bit about it the next time. And good on you for bringing it up with them as well, because um, we, a couple of weekends ago, we were on a le- uh, trail that was supposed to be leashed. And I think Lumos and Oxy were the only animals that were leashed on that trail. All the dogs were off-leash. Um, so there was a lot of us just yelling out dog and then both of us would scoop them up and jump to the side of the trail every time the dogs would come up. So I did want to say something, but I didn't know how to. So that's a good good on you for telling people that I like your idea of suggesting another location that is off leash nearby. Like that's a really good gentle way to get people to think about ideas of where they can take their dog off leash. So that's a really good idea. I wanted to move a little bit more to um, enriching our in, um, the lives of our indoor cats. So for those who might not be aware, you're also an amazing vet. And one of the topics that I know you're really passionate about is enriching the lives of indoor cats. And honestly, I think we could do a whole episode on that. But do you mind giving us a few ideas on how we could enrich the lives of our, of our indoor cats? Uh, I would love to. I could talk for hours about it and have talked for hours about it. So I'll try to try to keep it somewhat brief. But it is it. I do think it is incredibly important. Um, I do think it's much safer for cats to to live indoor only. 
um, because there are so many dangers out in the big world. Um, and it's, it's, there's no question that indoor only cats live much longer, but there are some health concerns we see related to that. We do see a lot more obesity in our indoor only cats. Um, uh, conditions like stress-induced cystitis are a pretty much um, indoor only cat phenomenon um, and is linked directly to boredom and stress. And it, it makes a lot of sense when you think about a cat that lives inside the same four walls day in, day out for 15 years. Um, there's no wonder they eat a lot and get kind of fat and get a little bit lazy um, and may have some some boredom and stress related to it. Um, a lot of it can be really, really simple um, for a lot of cats, um, you know, just making sure to keep new things coming into their environment pretty regularly, whether those be toys or new places to perch um, or um, whatever it may be, new places to hide. Um, they love the pop-up cubes. They love the tunnels. Um, a lot of them using catnip to get them excited and interested about things when they're feeling a little bit lazy and disinterested in life um, can be helpful for some cats. I adore the idea of catios and Emmy Lou does have her own catio. And I think when that is a possibility, that's such a safe way for a cat to get outside and enjoy the the smells and the sights and and all the things that come with being outside, but in a safe way where they're not going to be exposed to toxins or um, predators or cars um, or some of the things we worry about out there. Um, so whenever that's possible, I, I think that's a great idea. And we recently started doing clicker training, which I am now completely obsessed with. Um, I know you guys have been doing. Um, that as well at home. And it is so much fun um, to do and so amazingly good. All three of mine, the, the two dogs and Emmy Lou are, are clicker training. Emmy Lou is by far and away the best student of <laughs> the three of them. <laughs> um, she has the, the longest attention span out of, out of my kids. Um, but it, what a fun way, you know, to spend a few minutes a day just interacting, something fun for them to do. It's something we all look forward to. And it really makes them use their brain in a different way um, than they normally would and, and get a little bit of activity in when they may have been tempted to just kind of snooze through the afternoon. So that's um, kind of my newest thing I've been encouraging a lot of people to check out is is doing some clicker training. And and so far, everyone I've talked to has been really surprised at, at how easy it is and how well their cat or dog responds to it. It, it is kind of a, a self-rewarding endeavor, more so than I thought it would be. I thought it would be harder, um, but it's really, really fun. Yeah, I agree. I love clicker training. I have to admit, like, so for about six months, we did it every day for half an hour with Lumos. Like, he needs half, he could go for longer, but I'm done at half an hour. Um, but I'm not going to lie, lately, we've, um, I've been slacking off a little bit because we've been struggling to make the time. And boy, can we tell the difference. So we don't sleep through the night if Lumos has not had clicker training the day before, like, he starts banging on, because he's not allowed in our bedroom. So he starts banging on the door or meowing. And so that's like after last night when he did that again, it's given me a bit of an extra incentive to find that 30 minutes to do it with him because otherwise we're not going to sleep. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, they're, they're smart, smart animals. And, and they, if they're bored, they're going to find something to do. And unfortunately, especially with cats, there are a lot of things that they can find to do that we really do not 
want them to do. Um, and, uh, you know, giving kind of channeling that focus and, and that interest into something that is not so destructive or um, sleep interfering, I think is, is a really smart way, smart way to do it and really healthy, really healthy for their little, little brains to, to do something to engage with something. And, and I think not just the activity, but the interaction with their people is such an important part of that. I, I think um, when we look at cats that have stress-induced conditions, um, one of the things that we recommend is making sure that they get daily interaction with their people. They've shown that um, cats, um, for example, that are fed wet food get a higher endorphin release than cats that eat dry food. And they think that's because there is a direct interaction when you feed your cat the wet food, you're there, you're scooping it out of the can rather than just leaving food out for them all day long. Um, and, and so they've shown that that there really is a, a health benefit to that interaction and that cats and, and dogs do want that. They want to be with their people and they want to interact with them and it's, it's important to their health. Um, so I, I think the clicker training is just taking that a step further and doing something really fun for both of you. Yeah, definitely. It's I, I have a lot of fun and I have I feel a lot of pride when they can do something that because I never I, I was like, oh, Lumos is definitely not the clever one of our two. He's not going to be able to do anything. So he's like really broadened my horizons in terms of what he's capable of. And something that I really wanted to chat about was Emmy's amazing cat tree and catio because I believe you made both of them. Do you mind taking us through um your thought process in terms of how you designed and made them and what was important to include for both of them? I will fully admit that I came up with the ideas, but my husband, Will, did all of the construction <laughs> for both of them. He is way more handy than I am um, when it comes to things like that. I, I'm more of the idea person and he makes things happen. Um, and I really think he thought I was crazy the first time I brought up the idea of the catio. I think even just the word was a little bit too ridiculous um, for him to wrap his head around. But like a very good husband, he finally broke down. And for my birthday, he he built the catio that I'd been asking for for about a year. Um, and I had just done a bunch of research and looked at what other people had done and, and, and saved a bunch of uh, pictures from Pinterest and, and looked at what people had done that I thought worked and then um, what was going to work with our house in particular. And then I wanted Emmy Lou to be able to go in and out of, of the window whenever she wanted, um, that it wouldn't just be something that we would have to take her and put her out in. I thought um, that that would just be much more beneficial for her to be able to go in and out. So we made sure to put it on the side of the house where we were okay, leaving it there and it being permanent fixture. Um, and where there was window access um, that we could put a little cat door in for her to go in and out. Um, and we tried to make sure there was a little spot in there where she was going to get some sunshine because we all know that they love to to lay out in the sun and, and soak in the rays. So we wanted to make sure at least a portion of it um, got a little bit of that. And it just kind of grew from there. He, My husband, um, you guys being engineers are, are probably prone to this, he very much over-engineered the catio. It could hold probably 12 full-sized humans, and it really is just needs to hold an eight-pound cat. Um, but, 
but that's great. I, I do not worry at all about Emmy's safety when she's out there. Um, and we just keep kind of adding to it. Um, he's added um, some logs for her to climb on. We added a hammock in there, um, which she uses really quite regularly. And it's um, been really fun. And, and he added on to the whole catio recently, expanded it because he realized how much she enjoys it. And so it wasn't even my birthday this time. It was probably Emmy Lou's birthday that she got a catio expansion <laughs> added on because she just loves it, loves it so much. Um, and the same thing with our, with our cat tree. I kind of had an idea of what I wanted. Um, and we went out together and found a really good branch. Like I wanted it to be kind of have a natural feel to it. So we found a really great branch and, and dried it in the garage for a while. And um, then he just kind of made the magic happen from there and, and put it all together and made the platforms. And I found um, some ridiculous fluffy fabric to add on. So we'd have our own little Dr. Seuss truffle tree for Emmy Lou in the house, which was funny. She didn't use it, of course, because she's a cat. So for about the first two months it was in the house, she acted like it was terrifying and she wanted nothing to do with it um and poor will was just so upset that he'd spent all this time making her this huge ridiculous tree in our in our living room and she wasn't going to use it but then one day she discovered it and it's it's been full on from there and and on the cooler days or the rainy days when she's not in her catio she's in her little truffle tree lording over us staring down from above and kind of enjoying her little space that's so awesome. And I just love the thought process that went into it. Um, what I might get you to do is just take a photo of each of the, the catio and the um, cat tree and we'll put it in the show notes because um, I've seen parts of it. And like I showed it to Daniel, I was like, if we were better at making things, which is ironic given that we're engineers, but we're not really handy, <laughs> we would make the, something similar. Like they're, they're pretty incredible what you've created. So what you and Will have created there. So um, I think a lot of people would really love to see that. So, Annie, we're heading towards the end of the podcast, and what we want to jump into now is our uh, questions that we ask all our guests. So the first one being, what is one piece of advice that you would give to new cat explorers? I love that question because I think that that's one I always want to offer, sometimes unsolicited, when people say that they want to get started because um, they see our cats out and about, you know, and I think they think we just took them out one day, you know, and they just were like that from the get go. So I always just remind people to really take their time and remember the reasoning behind it um, and don't get caught up on on wanting to get to the end. But again, you know, some cats are just going to want to go out in their yard and that's the furthest they're going to get. But for those cats, that is a big, big adventure and they're having a really great time exploring and and that's that's important. So, you know, take your time and listen to your cat and pay attention to them because the whole point is is to spend time with them and, and show them things they wouldn't get to see otherwise. Yeah, I just love that. What has been the most entertaining comment that someone has said to you while you've been out and about with Emilou? Uh, the one we get all the time, which is always really funny to me, is people always ask me, does she hike when she's already on the ground, like walking <laughs> Like right with Muffet and I, um, so I'm always a little confused by that. They say, "Well, yeah, she's hiking. <laughs> she's <laughs> hiking right now." Um, so that one's always really funny, and, and of course we get the the classic that we all get, and where people say, "Is that a cat? That's not a cat. You have a cat out here on the trail," and then that kind of 
leads into a, a fun conversation. Um, but the the hiking one always kind of cracks me up when she's actively hiking and people ask if she hikes. So which cat explorers inspire you? Oh, I, I had to prepare for this question in advance because I've listened to the other podcasts and this one's actually kind of stressed me out. So I actually have a list. So bear with yep. me because I didn't want to forget anybody. Go for it. Oh, yeah, um, go for it. I understand the stress as well. So I get that. Um, certainly when we started out, Burma was a, just a huge inspiration to us. You know, he was out there doing this kind of before anybody else. And so um, he was a big part of us feeling like it was something we could do. Um, I'm currently really obsessed with Hokulea, the surfing cat in Hawaii, who not only is amazing and surfs all the time, but does these great messages about um, trash and the environment and, and being good stewards. Um, I also really adore Sophie um, from the KCC Adventure Cat team. Um, she's got cerebellar hypoplasia. And so not only is it amazing for cats to be out and exploring, but here she is with with her little disability that I don't think she recognizes at all. And she is just the best little cat explorer in the world. So everybody needs to go check out um, Sophie. Um, we are doing clicker training. So cat school is a big deal for us right now. We're, we're always getting inspiration um, and following that program for our clicker training. Um, but I'd say the biggest thing um, is that we just love our friends that we've made and we get so much support um, from some of our friends. You guys with Lumos and Noxie, the traveling cats out of Japan have been really good friends and really fun to follow. Mike and Lily, who you guys know, um, are such fun older kitties that that have not let that stop them. Roxy the kitty um, has been so supportive of us in doing what we do. And Hunky Sushi, um, you know, just some of those people that we've had a lot of interactions with that that follow what we do and and make comments and we follow what they do. And I just it's so fun. I feel like I, I kind of know them and and their cats and and love them all <laughs> and are very attached um, to everything that they do. So I wanted to make sure to mention all those guys that have just been such fun and such a big part of what we do. So those guys have all been awesome. And, you know, you've mentioned a lot of guests from our previous seasons. So if anyone's interested to find out more about them, have, have a look in our previous seasons because there's plenty of stories and they've got some really funny and interesting stories that, you know, I just love to hear more of. Yeah, I actually get teary talking about how amazing all the cat explorers are <laughs> because it, it, it's it's really lovely to see this community grow and see how much everyone's willing to help each other and share their stories. And if anyone has a bad day and they post about it, everyone else goes and supports them and reminds them why they're doing what they do because we all forget sometimes and it's really nice to get that level of support. So it's quite special. The uh, last question is, what product, service or program has been a game changer for Amy Lou? I would probably say her backpack when we're we're out on the trails. I, I really do encourage people if, if they're going to take their cat out to do something like that, to, to have a safe space for them um, where they can feel comfortable. Um, and then at home, her catio, I think it would, Emmy Lou, if she got a vote, she would say the catio was, <laughs> was the most important um, product that she's um, had because she really does love it so much. Oh, I just love that. So, Annie, thank you so much for joining us today. It really has been a blast. Where can we find you and Emmy online? 
We are on Instagram at Emmy Lou Adventure Cat, um, as well as on Facebook, also Emmy Lou Adventure Cat. And if you're local, we even have a little our own little local Facebook Adventure Cat group um, to check out WNC Adventure Cat. So come find us. We love we love chatting with with followers and fellow cat explorers. Great. So we'll put those links and any other links from today's episode in the show notes which are available at catexplorer.co forward slash podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. And so many of you have reached out and asked how you could support Cat Explorer and the work we do. So if you love what we do, feel free to buy something from our online store at catexplorer.co. One dollar from each sale goes to the Dog Star Foundation and the rest of the proceeds help us support you. Create this podcast and all the other resources we create to help you with cat exploring. Thank you so much for being a part of the Cat Explorer community. That's it for today. We'll catch you next time. In the meantime, enjoy giving your kitty the world.